Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. Welcome into Take Command. I am Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. This here shows podcast we do twice a week. You can subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, you can watch us on 1067 The Fan's YouTube page, and we are uh, simulcasting today, Logan, on 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980. You know, I play clips of the show all the time on, on the radio show, on the Hoffman show every afternoon on the Team 980. But a full episode, real treat on the radio. <laughs> yeah, it's exciting, man. Good to get uh, get some more pub. And I know your show's been doing good. So nice to kind of have a collaborative event. Yeah. Even though we collaborate all the time. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, for sure. For more, sure. More official. Yes. Uh, we hope that everyone's having a great July 4th holiday weekend into your holiday week. And today on the show, we are going to do kind of part two of our divisional rankings. Last week, we did the offensive skill position groups, or actually all the offensive groups, um, which is funny. We call them skill positions, like offensive line isn't skilled. Um, but we do yeah. we do all of the positional group rankings from like a confidence level throughout the entire division. Uh, if you want that, obviously go back in the podcast archive and check it out. But today we're going to do defense, Logan. We're going to start with the defensive tackles, hit the edge rushers, linebackers, safety corner. So we're not just going three levels. We're going to break down uh, the front fours and the, or I guess, is anybody play three, four in this? We're going to break, break yeah, down the, the front. Uh, the Giants do. Yeah, they're, they're going to break down the fronts uh, and break down the, the secondaries into their, their individual component parts. Uh, but we'll start with the defensive tackles. Uh, and obviously, this is an area of strength for Washington, but yeah. they're, they are not alone in having excellent players at this position in the league. It shows the importance of a good interior offensive line because basically all four teams have have really good players at this position. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, I think, you know, if I had to say, this is the easiest way to go is go, who's the worst team with this? And I yeah. think it's Dallas. Yeah. I think they just have, um, you know, it's not they got bad players. You know, they drafted Mozzie Smith in the first round, who I was very, very high on coming out in this last year's draft out of Michigan. Big kind of run-stopping type of fellow, which is something they struggled with. Um, also, the gentleman from UCLA has kind of been a nice disruptive three technique inside. But like when you just look around the lead, the, the the division specifically, I mean, it's got some of the best defensive lines in the NFL. Like I think everyone is probably expecting me to say that, oh, you know, Washington's going to run away with it. But when you look at statistically, when you look at the PFF stuff, the team interior wise that is is performing the best is the New York Giants. And I know that's probably a surprise. Right. People probably are like, oh, probably, OK, you're going to give us Philadelphia as the team that's not Washington. No, it's the Giants. Yes, it's the Giants. And I think, you know, a big reason that is because Dexter Lawrence was 
I mean, maybe outside of uh, uh, Jones in Kansas City um, was maybe the be- best defensive tackle in football last year, which is crazy because he's like a true nose. And obviously you have Leonard Williams, Ashawn Robinson, who, again, is maybe not a household name, but a very, very solid kind of four-eye, five-technique type player. And then the depth there for defensive tackle now, it's important to kind of make sure we're very clear about this, is very, very high. We got Nunez Roches, who they brought in from Tampa Bay, who's one of the best kind of nose, five-technique, run-stuffing players in the NFL. Not a lot of love there because of what he does. Uh, DJ Davidson, again, similar mold. And then Anderson Ryder, all kind of of the same cloth in terms of making kind of absorbing blocks um, and kind of freeing up linebackers and edge rushers and allowing um, – you know, the defensive structure to be kind of these light boxes. But I think the, the key piece there is key two pieces is Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams. And obviously they have some interesting kind of young talent in Riley Jordan, you know, this kind of, you know, he was on my freaks list when I was doing the draft. I mean, he's six, six, three fifty, And I think he ran a sub five forty. So a big fast Ooh. man, obviously has to, obviously has to put it together, but you know, th- those two kind of guys at the top are excellent. And I think, Dexter Lawrence probably tips the scale, kind of saying they're the best group. Now it's close, but you know I think he's he's kind of the uh, the, the I'd say it's hard for me to say because I, I think you know Payne's excellent, I think Allen's excellent, but he's probably the best interior defensive player in the division. That's crazy. And then you start to look at down the list, and if you want to get into depth pieces, there's a real argument to be made if if we agree that New York is first, and it's hard to argue with based yeah. off what they did last year that Philadelphia could be second. Um, yeah. you know, obviously Fletcher Cox has been incredible forever. He's not quite at the peak of his powers anymore, but he's still very good. And then it's yeah. a question of, of who do you trust? And I think that's where I'm going to give Washington the edge and still put them yeah. second. But Jalen Carter, obviously tremendous talent coming out of the draft. Everyone looks at him going to Philadelphia and they think they can get the most out of his talent. Jordan Davis, uh, teammate of Carter's in college at Georgia, uh, who was really, really good last year as a run stuffing guy. Like he knows what he is and, and they know what he is and, and he'll continue to grow as a pass rusher over time but for what he is right now and then you know you get into guys like Milton Williams Contavious Street and I'm sure you've got a a deeper file on some of those guys anybody that you particularly like there but I I think for Washington like you know Carter's upside is potentially better than Payne better than Allen and I say that knowing just how good those guys are um I mean, but at the same time I think it's impossible without him having played a game to put that group above Washington and Allen and Payne alone are, are worth so much. They've been fairly consistent in terms of their availability. It's football. Things happen, but they haven't been injury prone so far in their career uh, or their careers. They, they've been consistent in terms of weekend. We got production, especially last year as, as they've gotten into kind of the prime of their careers here. And then you look at the, the depth pieces. Um, you know, obviously that's where you get into more of a projection, but a guy like Big Phil, who's a second round pick last year. Yeah. And they had guys like Ridgeway who played really well. FA sometimes slides inside and was good for them. Um, and then it's a matter of, you know, does a guy like David Bada or, or Potoe, like who makes the yeah. team there um, becomes the question. But um, I, I think the consistency and the lack of needing to project, knowing what they are, keeps Payne and Allen. Uh, and that Washington group second behind New York, at least in my opinion. That's what I would agree with. And I think, you know, a little bit of it's it's kind of like to your point. Like I look at the first two and if like if the season started today, who would I rather have? And a Fletcher Cox, while, you know, when I played, you know, he was top three defensive player in the NFL. He was kind of right in that same conversation as J.J. Watt. Really, really talented guy. 
Um, and he's still good. He's still, you know, like a, a very, very probably top 15 interior player, like good, good football player. But I think here in Washington, you're dealing with two guys who are definitively in the top 10, you know, yeah. and I think uh, that that ability, uh, the playmaking ability that those guys have, I think separates them. Now, you, you mentioned kind of the ace in the hole, the wild card there, which is Jalen Carter. And everyone thinks he's going to be a top five guy this year. And so to me, a top 15 guy and a top five guy does not outweigh necessarily um, what Washington has. And you mentioned the depth pieces. You mentioned the file on uh, like Milton Williams. Like he's a good player, but, you know, he is a kind of depth rotational guy with some pass rush upside. Jordan Davis, I think the potential is there. But I think when you look at him down to down last year, like there were games where he was dominant against the run. Absolutely dominant. But also like he was hurt a lot. And like that was a knock on him in college. Can he handle the higher snap counts? And, um, you know, when you look at the value there, you know, for a first round pick compared to a guy like John Ridgway, John Ridgway, I think, projects into kind of a similar run stopping presence, you know. So like, you know, in terms of does he add a ton? I don't know. I think he's got more athletic, more pass rush upside and it will take time to develop that. But right now, I think I'd say Washington, probably two a defensive tackle. And then I think Philly and then Dallas. So. Um, again, that could easily switch, like we talked about with our projections for the offensive guys. Um, you know, the, like if, if Jalen Carter comes out and is, you know, Aaron Donald 2.0 or J.J. Watt 2.0 or whoever, name your person, um, like then okay. this, this, this list is totally different. You know, right. but I, I do think Payne, Allen, the depth, the, the tr- I think that's the other thing. The quality depth that they've got there, I, I think, is, is another value thing. But I, I think Payne and Allen, man, are definitively, you know, better than what they have starting right now, I guess. Right. Here's what I would say, too, for Washington's guys, and this will transition us a little bit as we start to get into the edge guys. Like, if Chase is good this year, how much easier is life for those guys inside? I mean, they've been playing with just only Montez Sweat, (laughs) as if that's, that's something to not be jealous of for a lot of other groups in the league. But those guys could easily be chasing New York. Like, I mean, also, yeah. is is that who Dexter Lawrence is, or did he have the best year of his career? I think you could say the same thing That's about Payne. Um, but, but I think that ju- there is just as easy of a chance that Washington catches New York in this as Philadelphia catches Washington. Like, That's a that, great point. Yeah. And, and so I think the context here is important, right? Like, how, how tight are the splits? If this is a race, yeah. like, what's the margins? Those three cars are pretty tight in the race, and Dallas is out, you know, trailing behind. We don't got a max for Stappen here. He's winning every race by 20 <laughs> seconds. Uh, shout out to the yeah. F1 fans. Drive to night. survive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's another great point is like, it's kind of also your flavor too. Like if you were kind of picking just based off flavor, like, you know, not a lot of teams play true nose. Like I think Dallas would jump at the opportunity to get, you know, Dexter Lawrence, but you know, with Washington, I guess if they had that Cinco front, man, that would be pretty brutal, right? Yeah. Jerron Payne, <laughs> Lawrence, and Al, that would be disgusting. But um, I think that, you know, he's a true nose. He's a very specific skill set. While, you know, Allen and Payne, you know, they can play nose, they can play three, they can do a lot of different stuff. So um, I think that flexibility is also something that I think adds value. You know, it lets them do different stuff, find different mismatches. Um, but yeah, like I think because of Dexter's Lawrence, Dexter Lawrence's year last year, kind of the starting caliber depth they have kind of six deep on that roster, which is pretty impressive for uh, for New York, like yeah. on a roster that was not very good for them to be that deep. I think they're a one. I think Washington's two. Philly, very, very – I mean, and we're talking the slightest of margins here. Um, and I think 
I think partially because it's a lot of it's a projection, you right. know, from Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis going into year two. Um, and then I think Dallas, unfortunately, like, you know, for Dallas fans, sorry, sorry, not sorry. You guys just aren't good on the interior. You guys have <laughs> got some guys who are very talented, but no one who's kind of put it all together. Yet. Well, let's let's make Dallas fans happy. Ah, we don't care about this <laughs> podcast. Uh, if we're going to if we're going to make Dallas fans happy, though, let's talk about the edge guys. Um, and this is oh, another God, yeah. stacked, stacked group within this division. And I, I, I tend to think this is actually the easiest, uh, again, to to parse out who's the worst. I think New York, for as good as they are, are on yeah. the inside, like, and part of it's how that defense is built, right? Like they play a three yeah. down, uh, and then we're talking about outside linebacker, stand up edge guys versus you know four three guys. But uh, mm -hmm. if you're talking about Kayvon Thibodeau, who's you know he really came on at the end of last year, and you yeah. know Okariki and and the depth guys they have, like they're last. I don't even think we need to talk about it. I think, yeah. I think, but I will say like yeah. Okariki is one of those guys that um, you know he has. He, when he's healthy, he's very efficient as a rusher. So, like, I think that's the other thing. Like, he's he's talented. Yeah. You know, Kayvon Thibodeau's talented. But I also think, like, their production, like, um, you know, he's been hurt. But, um, what's his name? Not Okariki. Yeah, that's his name. Yeah. Um, the the Ojolari is who I'm thinking of. Yeah. He's been hurt a ton, right? And so, like, if he's healthy, yeah, he's probably a 10-plus sack guy. But he hasn't been that yeah. guy because he's missed significant time each of his seasons in the NFL. So, Kayvon Thibodeau, is he, you know, does he become a dominant edge rusher? I don't know. I, I wasn't that high on him coming out of college, but I agree with you. I just think, you know, for as good as they are inside, like the weakness of that defense, unfortunately, is the edge. And uh, they didn't do a ton to address it this year. You know, they've got some solid depth pieces, nobody that kind of, you know, blows your hair back. But um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that's probably probably the weakest of the division yeah. in terms of edge players. Apologies. Okariki inside linebacker. Um, Aziz yes. Ojolari is oh. on the outside. You know, O'Shane Zimenez, like, fine. Again, depth pieces. But, like, yeah. we were talking about the guys that are on the outside in Washington, Young, Sweat, and then obviously the depth pieces. We've seen how effective they've been. Smith Williams, Two Hill, et cetera. KJ Henry coming on as a rookie. FA Obata um, plays a lot outside, obviously. Yeah. And then Philly, Brandon Graham back again. Josh Sweat, yeah. like what they have brought. Sweat is good as anybody the last couple of years in terms of production. And then Dallas has Demarcus Lawrence and Micah Parsons. And by the yeah. way, on on for whatever it's worth, on ESPN's depth chart, they are finally just listing Micah Parsons as a defensive end. Um, well, and that's that's how I would like to treat him. No, none of this linebacker stuff. He is an edge, and he is the best one in the division. Yeah, and I think like that's a great point. Um, and he is, I think, he is the most talented one. But you didn't even mention Hassan Reddick for uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, right? He's listed as a Sam linebacker because they run this like twenty-five under front where he's like technically a linebacker on the ball. Like we all know what he is. Right. He's a pass rush specialist, right? And they also have Nolan Smith, who they drafted in the first round, coming in as an edge player there. Um, he led the division in sacks, Hassan Reddick, last year. So, again, very, very productive as a pass rusher. Brandon Graham, you know, I don't know how he keeps doing it. Just a bowling ball, power rusher guy, gets under your pads. And then Josh Sweat, who is one of the funnest kind of creative edge rushers. You know, lots of diversity to his skill set. But I, I still think, like, just like Dexter Lawrence was the – the crown jewel of the interior players by a small margin, obviously. I think Micah Parsons has to be your guy, you know, and it's not that it's Micah Parsons in Dallas. It's not that it's Micah Parsons by himself. You know, there's a ton of other good football players there, um, specifically uh, Demarcus Lawrence, who I think is such a tough player to play against. He's strong. He toughs. He, he plays every down like it's his last. 
A um, little bit of a down year last year, but I got a ton of respect for him. Sam Williams is another guy uh, drafted in the second round last year. High pass rush upside. And then Dorrance Armstrong is a guy also high pass rush upside, but never quite gotten there, you know. So um, I like their edge players quite a bit. I like their depth pieces. VME uh, Fahoko is a guy that I loved coming out in this last year's draft. Violent, more of a run stopper, but good player. Um, and then uh, Dante Fowler Jr. is on their depth chart. And he right. is a former first-round pick who had, uh, I think he had 15 sacks two years ago with L.A., so obviously has the ability. So when you look at that depth chart, it's like, man, like I don't know who contends really. And I think maybe you could say I, see, Philly. I think if Philly you're... does. I, I think with Lawrence in, in his thirties, like I know last year was a down year and, and he plays hard and, and whatever, but like he's 31. And when you have that True. down year, is that the start of the decline? And I would be concerned about that. If I am Dallas, I agree with you. Parsons is the best guy, but what Reddick has done, what sweat has done. Like, I think I would put Reddick Philly Graham. one with, with the depth, because I do think it's Parsons and then a drop-off to a bunch of other guys that are very good, but not quite as good as the collection of excellent guys that Philly has. I think I'd actually put Philly one. Yeah, and, I, and we forgot to mention Derek Barnett for Philly, also a former first-round guy. We literally have quite, too many guys to remember. Yeah, And we're looking never, at the depth chart. He was never actualized his ability, but is a good football player. You know, like is, you know, and we talked about the depth pieces of Dallas, like – he fits in that kind of same depth kind of category for them. And I just think, you know, Hassan Reddick was so good last year. Josh Sweat is so fun to watch as a rusher in terms of creativity. And then Brandon Graham, I don't know. Like, it just depends on whether you think peak Micah Parsons is worth two of those guys. And after looking at it, I probably agree with you. Because he also forgot, like, Nolan Smith is right. a guy who, again, I loved coming out. And I think he has tremendous ability to be kind of the next Hassan Reddick. He's like a little bit more explosive. He's so twitchy, so powerful. So I'm gonna, yeah, I think I think Philly feels right. Do you go Dallas too here? That's what I'm questioning. So the 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 big year for Fowler was all the way back in 2019. Like it was 11 yeah. and a half sacks, and that was that was a long time ago. He had six last year in Dallas. Was... He had four and a half in Atlanta, and then three in been, Atlanta. Like, been very inconsistent. Yeah, I, I, I'm not. He's he's he. So on the depth charts that I saw, he's the third guy. Right. There's a You're lot right. of guys ahead of him. So I'm not saying Dante Fowler is the guy that's going to change this for you. I just think um, they have a they have a type. They have Micah Parsons. They have Demarcus Lawrence, who again, very very good edge rushers. They have Armstrong, who is kind of a pass rush specialist. They have um, that kid Sam, who's also kind of a pass rush rush specialist. So in terms of type. And depth, they just seem to have a kind of a stable of guys. I don't think, you know, who's the guy that left there uh, last year, two years ago for Denver? Jeez. Um, um, you know, I know exactly what you're talking about, and I cannot think of his name right from, now. From from Nebraska. So I'll leave a comment. Oh, yeah. Uh, Randy Gregory. Yeah, Randy Gregory. They haven't had that kind of three headed monster for a couple of years. I think they're hoping Sam kind of fills in that role. But um, gosh, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know, man. Like I, I, I see those three names or see those four or five names and think, man, they've got some really good depth pieces there. Uh, but are they better than Washington? And I think, you know, I think if I'm taking Micah Parsons, I'd probably take him over Sweat. I think Sweat's maybe the second best guy in that group. And then, then it's about Chase, really. Chase yeah. and Arm Armstrong. Well, that, that's like, the thing. So is it, it is, is Montez or sorry, is Chase Young going to approach Micah Parsons territory? Or are we talking about him even being better than Dexter Lawrence? Because so it really comes down to Chase. Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus yeah, Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if 
I, I think it's too hard to project Chase that positively right now. For that reason, I'll go Dallas is having, you know, because one guy can also just wreck a game. And they've got yeah. the best the best game record. So I think I'll go Dallas second. I can't believe I'm putting Washington third. But like again, talking about this being extremely close, I put Washington third and then and then New York fourth. Yeah, and I think it's kind of running to the same thing we ran into with Philly. Like, you know, I think we're both hoping Chase becomes kind of this dominant edge player, right? Like I think that's the that's the anticipation. But if you look at his last two years, he has not produced like that. So, you know, you gotta give it to the player that's been more consistent in terms of production. And as much as I like Casey Tuhill and James Smith Williams and FA Albada, like they're not on the same level as as Lawrence, you know, and some of the other depth pieces there in Dallas from a per, pure pass rushing standpoint. Now, if Chase comes out and plays really well and is a you know 12, 11 sack guy and he's super consistent against a run and all that kind of stuff, this is a different conversation. But I do think um, I'd, I'd say I'd agree. I think Dallas has a slight edge at the moment, and it really depends on where Chase falls in terms of his development. Yeah. All right. We get back. We'll hit the linebackers, then time to do the secondary here on Take Command. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to do's, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. It's not just a podcast. It's the 25th hour of your day. Your weekly source for all things commanders right on time, your time. A list of household chores. Do them without missing a beat and listen while you work. In the car, turn mundane drives into memorable moments. With podcasts, you can maximize productivity and minimize FOMO. We're on demand, so we fit perfectly into your schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. I am Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. Happy to have you with us if you're listening on the radio, 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980. You can subscribe to Logan and I in the free Odyssey app or your favorite podcast platform, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Watchful Episodes, YouTube.com slash at 106.7 The Fan as well. We do this twice weekly uh, and three times during the regular season, including a fresh post-game podcast. All right, Logan, we're ranking the defensive uh, position groups in the NFC East today. Next up, linebackers. This is an interesting one because we've talked about yeah. a lot on the podcast how de-emphasized the position has become. There are obviously yeah. some good ones, but this is a position, I think, where you're doing a lot of projection for a lot of players for these NFC East teams. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, um, I don't know, like it's it's really, really challenging. So 
I'll just start with who I think is probably the best, and then we can kind of go off of there. And I think it's really the team that is is the best, I think, is really ironic because they have a really high value at defensive tackle and really high value at linebacker, which is our two positions kind of in the modern defensive tackles bucking this trend a little bit, but linebacker is not a position of of tremendous value. Like Bobby Okariki is probably the best linebacker in the division, which is crazy to say at a 73.3 grade at PFF last year. Um, really, really instinctive football player. I think, you know, we were prepping for Indianapolis last year, did a great job, uh, you know, like really kind of jumped off the tape in terms of his production. And then you look at the rest of that team and you say to yourself, like, you know, the, that position group, you know, Jared Davis, solid player, uh, Micah McFadden. I love his film number 41 for them. Um, kind of reminds you a little bit of like a Will Compton, but like a little bit bigger, a little bit more physical. And then Darren Beavers is a guy that I liked a lot coming out of Cincinnati lot two years ago. Um, more of an edge player, kind of a huge hulking, you know, 6'5", 255 type guy. But, you know, in terms of athletic potential, I think, wow, like that's a pretty solid, consistent group right there. And then look around the division and it's like, who who's competing with them? Is it Dallas? Like, I, I'm a big fan of... Uh, like uh, Van Der Esch, I think he's yeah. a good fo- good football player, but a little bit down. You know, he's matched up there with Damian Clark. Uh, maybe that's the second group. I think it's probably between Dallas and um, and Washington, you know, with Jamin, how he kind of played the second half of last year. Because I think the worst linebacker group, just because of, of who, who they've got at the position right now and because of the lack of experience, is probably Philly. So, like, that's kind of my early – you know, thoughts on it. I'd like, maybe we could flesh that out as we yeah. go here a little bit, Craig. Yeah. But, so Nicobe Dean's the guy in, in Philly and he's super intriguing because he was awesome at Georgia. Um, now yeah. he's playing against literally a high caliber NFL offensive line or NFL defensive line in college. Yes. Like those guys were all first round picks. And I, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic. There might've been one guy who wasn't, but three or four no, of those guys was- are first round pick they've all been yeah because it was wide up in green bay yeah, <laughs> yeah two, two of them are gonna line up in front of him in, <laughs> in philly um yeah it's it's nuts um what he was playing behind but if he's good and by the way he's behind a very good defensive line in philadelphia then he might wind up being the best guy in the division and part of the reason he fell in the draft was obviously you don't know what he is behind you know when the talent's more equal but also there were some real injury concerns there if the injuries yeah, don't shoulder. pop up is he just is he just really good? Um, maybe we'll see. But so I'll say this about him yeah. real quick because like he's a guy that I think everyone recognizes his name and it's like oh Nakobe Dean Nakobe Dean he's gonna be so good so good. Like when you like I so in terms of football IQ yeah very high football IQ love it which is very very valuable at the position and the more you watch linebackers the more you realize like you need that kind of instinct to carry you right but not a great athlete which is again another quality that is becoming more and more common at the position. And also didn't do a ton of diverse stuff. So what I mean by that is like he was predominantly a blitzer, right? Um, And usually when you're blitzing somebody, you're trying to hide them in coverage a little bit. Now he's a great blitzer. But to me, when I look at him, I say like, how does he project from a coverage standpoint? Because that's, that's, again, you know, I mentioned Okariki. And one of the things he does really well, he's excellent in coverage, right? Where Jamin improved was in coverage. Where, um, you know, like the, the elite linebackers in the league you know, whoever it is, Warner, um, you know, yeah. name a guy, Levante David, like they are great coverage players. And so or they're, they're the best coverage players at the position. Right. And so I look at Nicobe Dean, I say, you know, he's, he's great tackler, good taking on blocks. But they really, really at Georgia, really, really tried to insulate him in coverage. And the fact that he's not an excellent athlete 
makes me a little bit dubious about how he transitions in that role. Yeah. So again, that's another reason why, like, again, I like him as a football player. I like his instincts that can cover up a lot of the athletic stuff, but it's not like Nicobe Dean's going to come in and just be amazing from jump. I, I think that's important for people to understand with regards to him. Yeah. All right. So I'll just put Philly fourth. Um, you like New York. And fourth. it's, and it's not, and it's not just because of him. It's because of the guy they brought in, Well, he's the um, best one they got. Yeah, um, you know, Moro Nicholas is a guy that's kind of a converted safety. He's been in the league for a couple of years. Fine football player, but kind of in that, to give you some context, in that 50 grade, you know, when it comes to PFF stuff, which is, you know, a little bit under a starter. They're probably, you know, they, they lost Edwards last year. Um, he was the best linebacker that they had, quite frankly. You yeah. lose him, you kind of say to yourself, like, who's this guy? And one of the reasons when you keep all these superstars around is you got to make budget cuts someplace else. And it appears they've made that budget cut at linebacker a little bit. Yeah. So talk about bringing a guy in. You don't know exactly what he's going to be. Um, that's kind of where we're at in Washington with Cody Barton. Yeah. So they bring yeah. in Barton to play next to Jamin. I, I am a Jamin Davis believer. I am, yeah. I've come full circle on this. I just, I look at how he's progressed. I look at what he was last year. I look at how he responded to the specific types of coaching that he got. And I look at what he gets to play behind and I go, that dude, that dude could be pretty freaking good. I, I think that there's a, you know, 30, 40, 50% chance that we come out of this year going, Jamin Davis is the best linebacker in this division, yes. which is mm -hmm. a coup for Washington because you spent a first round pick on a linebacker. That's exactly <laughs> why you are doing that. If he's not, that's, that's in some ways a problem, but he better at least be close. Um, Barton is, is an unknown, but you've got a couple of those guys where you go, I don't know, maybe Klee Hudson, Barton, yeah. you know, David Mayo is always like puts a, a bit of a floor underneath you where there's only so bad you're going to be if he's going to get out there and play. Um, I think with Dallas Van Der Esch is, is definitely taking a step back and he's still probably their best guy. Like Damone Clark's not doing a lot for you. Malik Jefferson, Devin Harper. And by the way, that's, that's all they've got on the, uh, I guess Jabril Cox yes. and, and DeMarvion Overshone, but like they don't, they don't go real deep at linebacker on the depth chart and how they built their roster. You can tell that it's well, not an emphasis for them. Yeah. And it's also like, you know, we're going to get to this in a minute, but like safeties, you know, like teams with good safeties don't have good linebackers, mm -hmm. you know, like they, Dallas has excellent linebackers. Washington has excellent, I mean, safety, excellent or, safeties. Wa yeah. Yes. Dallas has excellent safeties. Washington has excellent safeties. And you can, and then when you look at the giants safeties, eh, you know what I'm saying? Right. So like you need to add value where you can add value. And I think you look at um, Philly, right. And again, not great linebackers, but they've got some good pieces, young pieces at safety. So um, I think it's, I think it's probably telling that this list is going to be kind of the mirrored when we start talking about safeties here in a little bit. Well, let's say, let's make a little bit right now, because I don't think there's, <laughs> it's worth it to spend too much more time on a position that just isn't going to have a big so, yeah, impact. What's, so I would what's say our final order, New what's York, our final order New here? York one, Washington two, uh, Dallas, Dallas three, Philly four. So it's, yeah, it's either it's, it's, it's how you feel about Van Der Esch, you know? And I think to your point, like Jamin, if you're high on Jamin, if you're high on Cody Barton, you know, we know them, so we're going to have bias there. So I think you can go either way there. You know, I think, but Jamin I think like Jamin, Jamin probably played better. I'd be curious to look at their PFF stuff for the last half yeah. of the season, let's say last year. But like, yeah, I think Jamin might have been already better than Van Der Esch. Yeah, that's a great point. And so I think that's totally fine. So that, that feels good to me. It just depends on how you feel about Van Der Esch. I can look that up real quick. So go ahead and show the next thing. All right. Well, that brings us to safety. So let's get into safeties. Then we'll, then we'll save corners for the last segment. So, uh, looking at the safeties, you have some incredible players, including perhaps one of the, I don't know, 10 most underrated guys in football in, in Cam Curl here in Washington, a yeah. guy who's going to get paid a lot of money, potentially as soon as, as the fall. 
And people are going to be like, wait, him? And it's like, well, if you subscribe to PFF, not to plug their stuff, but like if you're a PFF person, then you go, yep, nope, I've heard of him because mm -hmm. he's constantly on top of the safety list. But he's far from the only guy uh, in this division who's excellent. Obviously, Forrest came on well last year. I think we like uh, the depth. We talked about it a lot here in Washington. Uh, in Dallas, you've got guys like Curse and Wilson who are really good. Malik Hooker, uh, you know, former first-round pick uh, in, in New York. J Jason Pinnock and Xavier McKinney. Bobby McCain signs there as a free agent. We know what he can yeah. do in terms of uh, that position flex, playing some free, uh, coming down into the box, playing you know whatever you want to call it, Buffalo nickel, a nickel, whatever, pro provides you some flexibility. And then in Philadelphia, you've got Edmonds and Blankenship uh, who are established very, very good players. So I think you've just got a lot of really, really excellent players. There's, I wouldn't say there's a bad position group in the division. It's just a matter of... Who do you think is, you know, good or maybe even great? Um, and I think yeah. Washington, by the way, has a chance to get there if certain guys yeah. grow um, to just like, no, nah, that's a really good group. And that really good group might wind up be fourth when we when it, we're all said and done here ranking them. Yeah, and I think so. If I had to go, if I had to go first, first team, first group, it's definitely Dallas, in my opinion. And I think the reason it is and it's it's a close second to Washington uh, or close first to Washington. And what I mean by that is like, you know, Damian Wilson last year was excellent. You know, uh, Donovan Denver was ex Donovan, excuse me. My notes are messy. But they also have like <laughs> Javon Curse. You're not Javon Curse. Uh, Curse is his last J. Ron Curse, yeah. you know. And all three of those guys are gonna play a lot of football for him. All three of them can match up with a tight end. All three of them, like Curse can basically play a linebacker. He's like that Buffalo Nickel type guy. And, you know, uh Wilson was excellent. Like he was he was the cam curl to that defense yeah. last year. Just had, like had a hundred hundred total tackles or one oh one last year. Yeah, very physical football player. And just because all of those guys have done it for a couple of years now, I'm going to give them the edge. But then I think Washington just has so many great depth pieces and they probably have the best safety in the division, you know, in Cam Curl. So that coupled with Forrest, who had a great year last year, um, Percy Butler, I think is going to be much better. Um, you know, and then we'll Quan, see what Quan is that, that to yes. me is the, the biggest wild card in terms of, could that push, push Washington over the top? This is a team that might play yeah. four safeties with some regularity because they're going to have yeah. them playing linebacker esque positions and guys like Quan Martin, who can play nickel can play safety can play like, yeah. they're just going to be, you know, what, what, what options do you give your DC? And, you know, we talk a lot about how creative EB might be able to be on the offensive side of the ball. And I know Del Rio is kind of a let's line it up and play type of guy more than he is someone who's going to be super creative. But I do think personnel is an area where he has moved some guys around and can make it really hard on quarterbacks to identify what the coverage is and you know who's kind of fulfilling what role in a way that, that is advantageous for the defense and problematic for an offense because they have so many guys who can play multiple spots, specifically at the safety position. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think, um, you know, they're all talented. And, I, you know, so we're maybe being a little bit homer with that as, as number two, but I just think we've seen what the, that young stable of guys can do and their potential, their athleticism, their physicality. And I think they're poised for a big year, you know. So, um, you know, especially I think Jack's going to use them in a dynamic way. So to me, it's Dallas, Washington. And then I don't know. It's To me, it's a little bit of a toss-up. You know, in Philly, they lost um, – they lost some of that, those guys in the back end, guys who were very productive for them. Uh, but I think they're still a pretty consistent group. And then I think the fact that, you know, this is not a knock on Bobby. I think Bobby did a nice job. But the fact that Bobby is a starting safety, having just arrived in New York, I think is somewhat telling of, of kind of the quality of, of 
players that they have there. And again, not, that's not a knock on Bobby. I think he's a good football player, but to me, he's a good rotational guy. Right. He's not Which is probably what he'll be because they have Pinnock and McKinney. Yeah. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. So he's listed as the third, but like will be out there probably what? 70% sure. of the snaps. Yeah. Yeah. So again, it's, it's kind of how you view those two groups and I don't really have enough. I don't have a strong opinion one way or another on them. I like, you know, I know they drafted Philly drafted city Brown, who was one of my favorite players in the draft, but you know, like he's a rookie and just like Quan, like you don't know what he's going to be and what role he's going to fill within the defense. So I'll let you make the call there on, on who you think, which group you think is, is definitively uh, the third or fourth there. Let's put Philly last because their fans will get angrier. On, in the <laughs> That's how we're deciding that real scientific stuff. Real scientific stuff. All right, that leaves the corners. We'll knock them out next here on Take Command. Take Command. I'm Craig Hoffman. He is Logan Paulson. Uh, The podcast twice weekly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and uh, we are live on the radio today as well. 106.7 The Fan and the Team 980. Thanks for checking us out on your radio or the Odyssey app. Uh, by the way, you can also subscribe to the podcast on the Odyssey app. You know that, Logan? I didn't know that. No. Actually, we've talked about that before, so I did know that. I was about to say, you, that means you don't pay attention to me ever when I talk about <laughs> where you can get the show, but that's fine. Uh, if you want to watch us, you can. YouTube.com slash at 106.7 The Fan. I also post up highlights on my channel at Craig Hoffman. All right, we are doing defensive rankings today, taking a look at the defensive positions in the NFC East, going through the defensive tackles, the edges, the linebackers. We've done the safeties as well. If you missed any of those four, uh, you can either rewind on the Odyssey app or just check out the podcast. That's the beauty of podcasts. It's on demand. That's what we are, a podcast. We just happen to be on the radio today. Uh, but we're going to hit the corners to wrap up in the final 10 minutes here, Logan. And this is another position where there is a ton of talent. And and I think um, some of the best players uh, on the defensive side in the division actually reside at this position. And that is both established guys and guys who could break out, you know, including obviously the first round pick here in Washington. Yeah, and this is is a really tough group because you got guys kind of – uh, there's two two types here, right? Guys that are really established that have like a long track record of being successful. And obviously you have two uh, first round picks coming into the division, Deontay Banks and obviously Emmanuel Forbes. Yep. So um, uh, Banks is up in New York, obviously. So I look at this and I say to myself, like, I guess if, if again, today, yeah, I have to say today, which is, you know, the day before 4th of July or whatever, like who it's going to be. And, you know, no one's played any meaningful football from those young guys. I think I'm going to just lean older guys ever so slightly. I would too. And if that's the, and if that's the case, I'm going to go Philly one, I think Dallas two, um, you know, Gilmore and uh, Diggs are really a talented duo. I think Gilmore hopefully will kind of chill Diggs out a little bit. If you're a Dallas fan and kind of, again, one of the things that Diggs brings is that tremendous turnover ability, but also take a little bit of that gambler out and kind of make him make some educated guesses there. So I think I'd probably go two there. And then it's tough, man. Like it's because really, I would probably go. I probably go Washington three. I think I would uh, too. because I think they have Benjamin St. Just obviously is a starting caliber corner. Fuller's a starting caliber corner, and I think when you look at um, the Giants, for example, they have a Dory Jackson who has been a little inconsistent the past two years, injuries and things like that. Uh, I, but basically, his that, whole career has been inconsistent. Yes. 
and very talented, obviously, when he's healthy. And sure. um, and then Banks is going to be the other starting corner. corner. So I think if, if I had to give an order, I think that's probably what I do, which is weird because I thought that would be the most challenging group to do. But actually some of the like the edge rusher was probably more challenging. Linebackers was tough just because there's not like this definitive body of work with those groups here. It's like, yeah, the corners in Dallas have been super productive. The corners in Philly have been very productive. And then obviously the the two remaining groups are Washington. Yeah, I think I go Philly first because of yeah the that's what I, I mean. Yeah. I'm going Philly first. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agreeing with you. Um, okay, because you you have everything there. You have yeah established veteran excellence. I mean, true excellence in Darius Slay and James Bradbury. Those are two of the best ten corners in football. 15 corners in football. A, yeah. I mean, yeah. Depending I, on who you talk to, I'd say, yeah, 10, like maybe, yeah, 10 to 15 for sure. Um, Avante Maddox, at, you know, when healthy, Ex- is, as good as he gets player. in the nickel. Um, and then you've got I some, about him. some high upside guys like Greedy Williams, you know, former high draft pick. Does he get to learn yeah. from guys like Slay and Reddick and develop into what people thought he could be coming out of LSU? And Keely Ringo was, was thought to be when he got to Georgia as a freshman, like this dude's a future top 10 pick. He winds up sliding way down for legitimate reasons. His play did yeah. not, you know, hold up of that over time. But again, this is this is kind of why everyone freaked out the, with with Philly around the draft. Everyone looked at the guys they took and said those are super talented players who needed to go to the right place so that they could develop. And then they land in Philadelphia, where there's all this veteran leadership, where there's all this culture, where there's all this everything you could possibly want to incubate talent. And you know, we're doing this for yeah. this year, but like. If all of a sudden next year Slay and or at least one of them is gone, which I think is very likely based off cap stuff, um, but if not both of them are gone, Slay and Bradbury are Williams and and Ringo the replacements that all of a sudden come in ready to play in year two in that system, and they're the there for the next half decade. Like these are the kinds yeah. of ways of roster building where Philly's putting at least pieces in place to be good for a long time potentially, which is obviously really important now that they paid their quarterback a ton of money. Um, that's the plan to be competitive yeah. for as long as that Hertz contract is, is around. And how do you do it by, by taking big swings, building a culture that can help you hit as many of those as possible. And ultimately we'll see that said, one of those corners goes down and, you know, uh, greedy Williams has to play this year and he's the inconsistent football player. He's been so far in the NFL sure. and, and maybe it's not quite as good. Not that, you know, there's a ton of depth in this division elsewhere, um, that's the nature of things. When you lose a starter, you probably don't have a starter waiting to go. Um, and and that's, you know, ha- when that happens in the season could be a determining factor. But ultimately, I think Bradbury and Slay are the two best in the division, probably overall. Like, I think they're the two best corners in the division pending yeah. Forbes or Banks coming in as a rookie and being incredible. Um, and so I'd put them one, Dallas two, I think I agree with you, Washington three, and then and then New, New York four. We can go into any of those three, but I, I think that's kind of where I sit with Philly. Yeah, and I think I, I totally agree. I think Philly is, because of those two guys at the top, obviously, they kind of have an edge, but they also have done a good job of kind of making sure there's depth pieces here, much like Washington's done. Washington every single year does a good job of having guys on the roster that are good football players. And I think, um, you know, Dallas bringing uh, Gilmore is an excellent addition for them. And uh, yeah, so I totally, I think that's probably it. Uh, I got a question for you, Craig. I got a couple minutes left. Do you, so based on this, and maybe this is a whole show, but, you know, for the last five minutes, Based on these rankings, who do you think the best total defense is, right? That, that's my thought, like kind of working through this. Yeah, so 
I'm going to counter your question a bit with a question and then we can dive sure, into the it. answer. Cause I thought about this. I was like, what do we do if we need more time? And this, these position rankings don't take us the entire length of the show. And I was like, yeah. you know, what else we could rank is the defensive coordinators. Yeah. And that becomes a- really interesting too, because it obviously has a massive effect. Philly. We don't know. Uh, their DC, Jonathan Gannon left yes. for Arizona. So, you know, you got a year one DC there. Dan Quinn might be the best defensive coordinator in all of football um, yes. in Dallas. Uh, obviously wink is, uh, a bit of a wild card last year, a tremendous one, uh, in New York, but he's so aggressive. Mm-hmm. And does he keep that? Or does he have a little bit more trust in his team this year to play yeah. a little bit more solid? And then Jack is as solid as they come. And it has consistently been a top 10 to 15 defensive coordinator in terms of his defenses have been. Um, and so when you try to rank those, or at least, you know, put that on these, these groups to rank the overall defense, I think it becomes really tough because in some ways I trust Washington the most because I feel like I know what they are. Um, Everyone else has these massive questions in wild card, you know, type of scenarios. I guess Dallas kind of doesn't, but it becomes tough. I think Philly's the most talented. So I'd still probably, you know, rely on the talent and, and have them figure it out. Dallas and Washington are then right there. I think New York's solid, though, but they're probably fourth. Yeah. That's, I think, how I would rank it. But I'm curious what you think of, of the D.C. question as well. In terms of defenses, yeah. I, I, so, to me, Philly, I think, moves down a little bit, you know, just for my own. Because I think, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they do defensively. Last year, they were a very conservative defense that relied on their offense to hold the football a lot. And I think that defense is significantly elevated by the style of offense that they do run, right? So, in terms of just defense that kind of scares the living daylights out of you, Philly's a good group, but like Dallas, man, there were times where you're going into those games where you're watching film, getting ready, and you're just like, what is Dan doing here, right? It's just like yeah. they're they're disguising cover two. It looks like, man, oh gosh, they're running all out blitz. And it wasn't, and they had the guys from a safety position, from a cornerback spot, from a rush standpoint. Now, again, their first and second down run defenders, like we talked about, aren't very good. But in terms of guys that can win one-on-one pass rushing attempts, like that was an absolute nightmare for this team and for anybody they played against. And they slowed a little bit as the year went on. But I do think that group, when they are clicking and when they have a couple of good pass rushers, and again, that's that's a big question. You know, are they, do they have the same stable of pass rushers? Uh, that's a pretty dangerous group. And then Wink last year did an excellent job. And I think adding two, because Adore gets healthy, Deontay Banks, probably the best pure man guy in the class in terms of draft. Um, you say to yourself, like, you know, now we can really rely on some of those pressure-heavy schemes, get Dexter Lawrence in more one-on-one situations. It's a scary group. But I'd probably say, for me, right now, it's probably um, excluding Washington. When, and, we'll, and I'll add him in here in a second. But it's probably Dallas. And then it's a close between Philly because the coordinator thing, for me, yeah. that's like the coordinator like Sean Desai is very highly thought of. Um, yeah. the, the new guy coming in in Philly, but like... Just haven't seen it, you know? I, I, and I think it's fascinating, Logan, because, you know, I'm, I'm staring at, at the notes and it's like, I defensive tackles, we didn't put Dallas first. Edges, we didn't put yeah. Dallas first. Linebackers, safeties, corners. They're not yeah. first in any of these, but right. it shows you the impact of like what it means to take, you know, second and third in basically all of those. And make it a cohesive unit and that's yeah. what that what quinn does better than anyone else in this division and so i i think the size good um but he hasn't done it and he hasn't done it with this unit um yeah you know we're we have some massive question marks in washington obviously in terms of chase and, and his impact positively or negatively um yeah. and then you know 
New York is is probably the least talented in the division, but it's not by a lot, and right. they're a bit of a wild card in how they they organize things. Yeah, I think so too. In terms of the defensive structure, like they are gambling every single time they're out there. So much pressure, really high stakes, and now you've got some players that are better at doing that. So does that elevate that group in the back end? I don't know, but yeah, I think it's probably again because of the coordinator, it's probably Dan. And then I think you know Washington's in the mix, but I, to me the the big cog there is Chase, you know, because if Chase develops, if it's it's let me see, it's not Chase, it's the development at key spots, it's the development of Forbes, it's the development of the young safeties, it's the development of, of young, obviously. And if that happens, they they could easily be the most talented. They could be a top five in the defense in football if that happens. If Chase turns and into I, a monster and the safeties develop and Emmanuel's good, they could be gross. They could be gross. And I think Jack is a good is a people people sleep on Jack. Like when you watch Jack, like I go back to last year. And I think I might have said this on this show, but if I didn't, I'm just gonna bring it up here. So last year, Jack kind of set the template to to beating Philadelphia's RPO system, you know, and that's Jack doing that. That's right. good innovative innovative defensive thinking. And so it's not like Jack is just out there, you know, like playing football back when he, you know, like in leather helmets, he's like thinking innovatively about football, how to put his guys in good positions to be successful. And I, I just think to me, the question with this defense and probably because we know it really well is we're relying on a little bit of development at a lot of spots that could take them from a top 15 group to a top five group. And I think that's the big thing here. And it's the same, it's the same thing with Philly, quite honestly, right? What's Jalen Carter? What's Nicobe Dean? How does the depth at second in the secondary work out for him? Right? Like those are big questions. So I think, um, it's the projection with some of those groups while Dallas feels much more established. And for whatever reason, even though the Giants are not that talented, they I feel like I know them really, really well. You know yeah. what I mean? I know what they be, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. All right. That is Take Command for today. Second episode from us will come out in the podcast feeds later this week. If you joined us on the radio, hope you have enjoyed. Again, we do this twice a week during the offseason, three times a week during the season. So make sure you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the free Odyssey app. You can also watch us on YouTube at 1067thefan. For Logan Paulson, I'm Craig Hoffman, and we will see you next time on Take Command.